you and I were created in God's image to reflect His relational attributes. In essence, we were made to look like Jesus. God's will for our lives is that we conform to the image or the likeness of Jesus Christ. His incarnation shows what humanity was meant to be. He is perfectly conformed to the image of God. Just as we were created in the image of God, Jesus shows us and reveals to us what that image really looks like. We are called to re-image Jesus to the people around us so that they have an accurate view of who God is. The beauty of creation displays the beauty of God. God himself is beautiful and all that he has made is good. Humanity, however, has been scarred by sin. I like to refer to sin as that selfish inward nature. It's not just the acts that we do. It's who we are apart from Christ. But in Christ Jesus, we are restored and the image of God becomes, begins to be reformed in us through his character, through his likeness, because he gives us his righteousness. Well, there are numerous attributes that we're called to reflect of God, his relational attributes. And the first one that we need to look at is his attribute of holiness. Holiness is an attribute of God that all followers of Jesus are commanded to reflect. God is holy. The word holy appears almost 700 times in the Bible. Its verb form, which is sanctify, appears an additional 200 times. Those mentions of holy in all of its forms, both as nouns and verbs, are related to things, people, and places. But all of them tie to God himself. And that is striking. No other attribute is joined to the name of God with greater frequency than holiness. Holiness must be very important if it's so connected to the very heart of who God is. Though all of his attributes are important and dependent upon one another, the fact of God's holiness seems to be the one he wishes us to put the emphasis on. When God revealed himself to man, both to Moses, to Job, or to Isaiah on the Mount of Transfiguration, in each one of these encounters, he mentions his holiness. Isaiah called God the Holy One more than 30 times. Psalm 99.9 says, The Lord our God is holy. Because of his holiness, he cannot accept or even look upon sin, according to Habakkuk 1.13, Exodus 15.11, Leviticus 11, and Psalm 11. Because God is holy, we should devote ourselves to him in purity, in worship, in service, and in love. But holiness is often misunderstood. And unfortunately, it is greatly lacking. People seem to confuse holiness with self-righteousness. And nothing could be further apart than holiness and self-righteousness. Holiness displays the beauty of God in all of his attributes. Self-righteousness, on the other hand, takes what God has given and turns it into a self-serving pursuit. It's like the difference between the beauty of creation here at Red Rocks, this beautiful park. It's one of my favorite places on the planet where there are hundreds of red rock formations that 
burst up from the ground and they've been sculpted by wind and by rain, by the weather, into magnificent edifices that display the beauty and majesty of God. But to compare holiness to self-righteousness is like comparing the beauty of red rocks to a strip mine. One points to the greatness, the mystery, and the beauty of God's creation, and the other uses the resources that God has given in a way that leaves behind a crater of destruction. This is why Jesus makes such a big deal about the Pharisees. When we read through the gospel accounts, we see that he is continually confronting the Pharisees because of their self-righteousness. Their self-righteousness is actually stealing away the image of God that they're supposed to be reflecting. And it's pushing people farther and farther away from a true understanding of who God is and what he desires to do in the hearts and lives of people. So I want you to think about that. Which of those two images are we as the church displaying? Not just International Church of Prague, but the church as a whole. When people look at the church today, are they seeing the beauty, the majesty, and the holiness of God? Or are they seeing a group of people who are formed around some ideas and who seem to appear self-righteous? Remember, one will draw them towards God. The other will push them away. Now, it's important to remember that Jesus Christ was perfectly holy, and yet His holiness drew people to him. We read account after account through the Gospels of people being drawn to Jesus, people that would never go to the temple and likely would not set foot in a church as well. People who had been caught up in self-serving careers like tax collecting. People whose lives had been broken to the point where they were selling their body as a prostitute people whose lives were broken by sin or by disease, like lepers. They were drawn to Jesus. Holiness is attractive because in holiness, we see the beauty of God. Self-righteousness, on the other hand, pushes people away. So it's important for us to examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to examine us, to purify us and to change us, to reveal in us areas of self-righteousness that actually is pushing people away. One of the things that I'm trying to do, even in, in a very practical standpoint, is before I post something on social media, I'm not asking the question anymore, is it right? I'm asking the question, is it holy? Is it something that Jesus himself would post? Will it point people to an accurate view of who God is and what he wants to do in their heart and their life? Or will it point to a particular position that I have that may actually push people farther away? That's an important question. And I hope you'll join me in in asking that question before you post something on social media. Is this holy? Does it reflect the majesty, the beauty, the justice, the mercy, the holiness of God? Well, let's explore the scripture and let's find out what holiness really is according to God's word. Let's look at this scripture. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness, according to God, he says, in fact, he commands us to be holy. It's not an option. It is a call and a command. God does not say, you shall be saved, for I am Savior. The call that God has placed on our life is not salvation. That's the means through which we are able to enter into a relationship with God. Salvation through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross is the doorway that leads to our calling. We are called to be holy. Salvation opens the door, but the actual pursuit is for our life to be conformed more and more to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Holiness is not something we earn or produce ourselves. Holiness flows from delighting in God and abiding in His love for us and love for others. There are three mysterious unions that we discover in the Scriptures, each one of which are incredibly important for us to understand if we're truly to have an accurate picture of God, especially when it comes to His holiness. The first mysterious union is the love of God that we see in the Trinity. God the Father loves and honors God the Son. Jesus the Son loves and honors God the Father, and the Holy Spirit loves and honors the Son and the Father, and they love and honor the Holy Spirit as well. They are continually lifting up one another. Their love forges a union that cannot be broken, a union that you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, have been invited into. The second mysterious union is the two natures of Jesus Christ. Jesus is both fully God and fully human. He understands us better than we understand ourselves because he is both the creator and he has experienced what it means to be human. He has experienced the full weight of temptation and human suffering. And so he is our perfect high priest who intercedes for us. But the third mysterious union that we see through faith is that you and I are united in Jesus Christ. We are united to him. He takes away our sin, but he gives us his righteousness. And he invites us into the unity, the love relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gives us his holiness. He gives it to us. And therefore, he says, that's who you are. Now we need for our behavior, for our actions, for our attitudes to reflect who Jesus Christ has transformed us into. He has made us, or perhaps better, remade us into the image of God. And it begins with holiness. Holiness is attractive. It is not something stern or austere like we often think of. Holiness is filled with with joy. It's often said that God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. That statement is true, but we need to recognize that true happiness, true joy is found in holiness because that's when we become whole. We become the person God created us to be. Sin can never deliver true joy. Holiness does. Because that's when we're free to live and enjoy the relationship that we've been given 
through Jesus Christ, with God the Father, God the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with other believers. That's where our purpose for our life also comes into alignment day by day. The complaints of many Christians is that they lack joy and power. If you feel like something in your Christian experience is missing, that there must be more than what you have right now, I want to tell you that most likely what you're missing, what I'm often missing, is holiness. So what does it mean? Holiness means set apart to become who you were created and saved to be. In Christ Jesus, we are set apart to be the real, eternal us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Did you see that there? His purpose from the very beginning was to make us holy. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You see, holiness is directly connected to who we are in Christ and to his plan and purpose for our life. God created you to be holy. Now, if he created you to be holy and he saved you, Jesus gave his life for you to be holy, then holiness must be something that we actually can experience. Not perfection like God has, but we can reflect his holiness. Here's the problem. When it comes to holiness, many of us are functionally agnostic. We believe God has made some people whole, like people in the Bible, or maybe a Mother Teresa or a Billy Graham. But we just don't see ourselves as being holy. Our doubt and subsequently our disobedience shipwrecks us so that we go through life half in this world and half in Christ, and therefore we tend to be uncomfortable in both. But God says you are holy. Therefore, you should live holy. The problem is we don't understand that it is the pursuit of holiness where we find our true selves, the person God has made us to be. We have the mistaken idea that the fun of this world and holiness are polar opposites, but they are not. We also have the idea that God wants to take all the good things away, and that's not the case at all. In fact, God does use trial. He uses difficult circumstances in our life, but the way that he uses it is the same way that he uses the weather, the wind, and the rain to take these stones and turn them into beautiful sculptures that reflect the greatness and beauty of God. God does the same thing in your life and in my life. He wants your life to be full, but not full of yourself, full of him. Not full of sin, but full of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite authors, Andrew Murray, explains it this way. To be holy is to be Godlike, to have a disposition, a will, a character like God. 
The thought almost looks like blasphemy until we listen again. He hath chosen us in Christ to be holy. In Christ, the holiness of God appeared in a human life. In Christ's example, in his mind and spirit, we have the holiness of the invisible one translated into the forms of human life and conduct. It is because of the call to holiness, because it comes from God and from his infinite power and his love, that we can have the confidence that we can be holy. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that God can make you holy? That he can transform your life to be more and more like Jesus Christ? Let's look at the scripture again. 1 Peter 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, before you came to Christ, you lived in a way where you're pursuing your own wants, your own selfish desires, your sin. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since as it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. When you think of being holy, the first thing that should come to mind is being made whole or complete in Christ Jesus, because that is a very specific part of holiness. This means that we are to give all that we are to the Lord, because he's the only one who can make us whole, complete. That's a synonym to a large degree for holiness, becoming completely who God has created and called you to be. Without that, there will always be something missing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 puts it this way. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Remember, that's the word, that's the verb form of holiness. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The word sanctify and the word completely whole come together. In fact, they're, they're forms of the same word. There's a close relationship between being holy and being made whole or complete. God is calling us to more. So oftentimes we think of holiness as giving things up. And there's a degree where, yes, we must give up our selfishness. But in return, God makes us more and more of who he created us to be. Only when we are holy will we truly be whole as well. And did you notice how the verse ends? He, the Lord, will surely sanctify you because he is faithful. God's will for and work in your life is to make you holy. God is calling us to surrender our sin, that selfish inward nature, and the fruit of sin that are the desires that tend to push us away from God and actually cause division with other people because they're destructive. He calls us to cling to himself, to give everything that we are back to him and say, Lord, I am completely yours. Reveal in me anything that's of sin, that's of that sinful, selfish, inward nature, and make me whole. Make me into the person you want me to be.
We are holy when we have given all that we are, every part of our life to God. If we're divided, if we're trying to live in the world and for God, we'll never be whole. But when we give all that we are back to the Lord, he changes us. My prayer for each person that's watching today is that you'll be able to understand this, that the Holy Spirit will speak into your heart and your life in such a way that you begin to desire above all else to be holy as a reflection of God and to be holy because you are in love with the Lord. When Jesus Christ brought your soul back from sin, remember, it wasn't just to save us. It was to make us holy. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Jesus shed his blood, not just so we could escape the punishment of sin, so that, but so that we could be what God created us to be, holy, a reflection of his likeness. Do you believe you can be holy? That God's word is true, what he's calling you and I to? Because here's the truth. When we believe it, when we allow the Lord to do a work within us, we give all that we are back to him, he begins to transform us. Now there's a reward that comes with that. You'll discover in the pursuit of giving up all that you are to the Lord, that you're actually filled more and more with joy. Most of us live as if holiness is unobtainable and therefore not really desirable. But this is a false belief that is stealing from you the very thing that your soul longs for, intimacy with God. By the way, it is also crippling the witness of the church. Because holiness has gone off the viewpoint, out of the radar, as it were, of much of the church, what people see when they look at those who claim to follow Christ, they see a distorted reflection of God's likeness. And too often they see the empty crater of self-righteousness rather than the attractive beauty of holiness that reflects the character, nature, love, justice, and mercy of God. It begins with believing that God can make us holy and then living out of that belief as if it is true instead of having a life that is filled with compromise. Jesus purchased our life for his glory. Therefore, we belong to him. Remember, God does not exist to fulfill our wants, our purposes. We exist to fulfill God's purposes. And in that pursuit, we find the very thing that we've been looking for all along, real life, real joy, real holiness, real intimacy with God. What God does when we surrender all that we are to him is that his holiness puts back the broken pieces of our lives. It puts us together again. That's why I say, if you feel like there's something missing, chances are it's found in holiness because that is God's will for our life, that we be an accurate reflection of him. 
And God wants to remove anything from your life and my life that would hinder our union with him. Anything that can possibly take his rightful place in our hearts needs to be removed. In essence, we need to recognize that anything else, even if it's something good, that we place in God's rightful place is an idol. And it needs to be turned from, repented of, and confessed, recognized as sin. It can be removed in one of two ways. Number one, trust, where we willingly surrender it to God. Or the second way is that God will discipline us. He will use trial. He will use that to loosen our grip on the things of this world, on the idols that we so often pursue so that he can make us whole. This is what God did with his friend Abraham. God asked Abraham to love him more than he loved his son Isaac. God had shown Abraham that his grip on Isaac was hindering his love for God. And when Abraham released his grip by surrendering Isaac to God, God gave Isaac back to Abraham. You see, God is not cruel in wanting to take from us his gifts and his blessings. But he knows that the only way we will truly enjoy his blessings is if if they do not possess us. Then we can be made whole and complete. Isn't that beautiful? So oftentimes we look at that story and we're puzzled because we don't see it from God's standpoint. That God was calling Abraham to greater intimacy with him and actually to a greater relationship with his son Isaac. You see, when he was willing to place Isaac into the hands of God the Father, he received back a relationship with Isaac that was even sweeter. They shared an understanding of faith that was incredibly beautiful and that led to a legacy of faith that has gone for generation after generation after generation. One more time, let's look at 1 Peter. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. What is it that we need to surrender? What is keeping us from living holy? Is there a compromise in our life? Is there some part of us that we're holding on to a relationship, a desire, a pursuit, a reputation that we're trying to keep from the Lord? If so, would you ask the Lord to examine your heart and life? And to give you the faith to release that into his hands. When you do, he will make you more and more whole. He'll put the pieces of your life back together. You see, holiness in essence requires this one thing. It requires a change of ownership over every part of our life. We need to recognize that when we come to God, he owns everything. The truth is, he owns it anyway. Remember, sin, that selfish inward nature, it reveals its control in our lives, in our selfish attitudes, our actions, and our values. So to be holy 
we must identify parts of our lives that we have not surrendered ownership of to the Lord. So what needs to change in you? I want to ask you to ask that question just as I need to ask that question. We need to do some diagnosing of disobedience. And so what we need to do is get specific. We need to discover where it is we need to change. Are there sins that we are holding on to? I'm going to put on the the screen a, a list of some of the symptoms of sin, of our selfish inward nature. These are attitudes and feelings that every follower of Christ needs to put off uh, in our lives in order to become whole in Christ and holy as his follower, as the son or daughter of our Lord. So what I want to encourage you to do is to look at this list that you'll see on the screen as it goes by, and we'll put it on towards the end of the service as well, and, and look at it and place a value on there. How much do you struggle with each one of these areas? If it's a a, a zero, it's not something that you struggle with, put a zero there. But if there's something that you struggle with a lot, maybe you need to write that down and you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, this is an area where I'm struggling. Lord, you know it has control over me. I don't understand all of what's happening and what's going on inside, but in this particular area, I know it's a reality in my life. So Lord, I want to give it back to you. I want you to show me what it is that's causing me to act this way, to have this kind of attitude, to respond to others in this way. And then Lord, as you show me what that looks like, help me to confess it, which means that I say the same thing about it that you say about it in your word, and to turn from it. Repentance means that there is a change. It's the Greek word metanoia. It means a change of mindset as well as a change of direction. Repentance means that we begin to look at those things not only as, not as weaknesses anymore, but things that are actually the enemy of our soul that need to be given over to the Lord. Because when we transfer the ownership of every aspect of our life, then he makes us whole. And he gives us the freedom to be the people he is calling us to be. So what's on your list? What are the things that you're struggling with right now? Look at those and ask the Lord to enable you to understand them to the point where you can confess them as sin and turn from them and find freedom. The scriptures include a phenomenal promise to every child of God who wants to change. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Knowing that God will do whatever we ask, if it is his will, and knowing that the transformation that comes from God's will, that he is for us, we can have great confidence that change will happen. We can go to the Lord and say, God, I am willing for you to change me. I transfer ownership of my life to you. Here are the areas where I recognize because your Holy Spirit has brought conviction in my heart and life, these are areas that need to change. And so I'm giving them over to you. 
make me a reflection of you. Would you join with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today seeking repentance regarding the specific things you are asking me to change, to give over to you, to give ownership to you of. I ask you to grant me genuine repentance. I ask for your forgiveness, for rationalizing, for blaming others. I acknowledge that I have no excuses for my areas of failure. And instead, I trust Jesus Christ, not only for complete forgiveness, for removing the penalty of sin, but to change me more and more into the likeness, a reflection of God's image, because he has given me his righteousness. Therefore, Lord, I make a commitment to you today to be holy as you are holy. The good news is God loves to answer that prayer. I hope you discover it.